You're listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast with me, Nathan Johnson, and my co-hosts, Carl Kaczynski and Rami Bassi. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay. I should probably repeat that since you've just started recording. No, 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 I mean, we'll, we'll go into it. But yeah, yeah, let's see where it goes. Um, so yeah, I think everyone, you, I think, did you both watch the football? Yes. Um, yep. uh, I guess Euros um, 2020 slash 2021, um, England versus Italy in the finals. Picture this in your mind. You probably don't have to picture it because there's in this day and age, it's all recorded and you can watch it all on YouTube. Um, but if we were in the olden days, just picture this in your mind. Um, Rashford uh, kind of gets brought on uh, with Jordan Sancho. Um, at the end of the game, just to, after which time, take the penalties. Um, and then they miss. Um, England England goes out, um, well, come second, second place. And to be honest, second place is, is very good. Um, and then we go to social media and we look at some of the, com- the comments on social media, on these online platforms. Um, and yeah, I guess um, from my perspective, it was just dreadful. Um, kind of some of the stuff that was happening, but it kind of, for me it highlighted this whole um, take a knee. Um, and Sterling has said before that he doesn't want to get involved in the politics anymore. Um, he takes a knee, and he doesn't really see much change. Um, and I think from the outside, it kind of feels like well. They're taking a knee, but there is no problem. And up until that point, it was like, oh, everyone's behind England. We all love them. And then kind of some parts of society raised their ugly heads in terms of some of the stuff that was happening then kind of put in the spotlight that actually this is still happening and that there is still a platform, there is still a voice um, for this. Yeah, so um, I was going to say, like, this, this was in the backdrop of taking a um, and the other thing I was going to add to that was that um, so the, the, the take a knee is, is associated with Black Lives Matter, although the footballers have said they're doing it for different. Well, you know, they, they've made it clear they're not being political. Some people say Black Lives Matter is a political organisation and some people say Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organisation. So um, p- people who disagree with it are, draw, uh, are quite often, from what I've seen on Twitter, drawing this comparison to then say that this is a political statement, I guess. Hmm. And lots of people arguing about whether it is or isn't a political statement, like, you know, saying there's no place for politics in football. And lots of people are saying, oh, it's not political. It's just about racial equality. Um, I mean, I come from the view that pretty much everything is politics. You know, if, if your bins aren't collected, that's politics. If, if you don't have money in your bank account, that's politics. If there's not enough funding for kids to play sports, because the gyms aren't open or whatever, you know, the sports centres aren't open, that's politics. So I, I would maintain that pretty much everything falls under the category of politics. I don't think, certainly don't think it's for governments to say that people shouldn't get involved in politics because we're all citizens. And so we're all entitled to get involved in politics. Now, whether this is an openly political statement, I don't think it is. They're calling for, you know, uh, in this instance, black players uh, to be treated with the same respect uh, as, as everybody else. Um, I think that's a fair request. Um, so I'm always surprised that people are booing um, in the pitch. But then obviously, 
we work in digital education so uh, my primary source of, of, of seeing the, the sort of vitriol that came out was online and uh, and just looking at how people treated it so the three players that missed the penalties that you referred to happened to be black uh, and there was a, a just an absolute torrent of abuse that came out on Twitter, uh, which is uh, the only social media that I was on. Um, and I, I was just absolutely shocked. Um, you know, it's come from both inside and outside the country, but wherever it's coming from, I think you could definitely say it highlights the fact that some people, enough people to make a difference, don't think that black people deserve the same rights uh, or treatment as everybody else. And so I would say it almost vindicates the, the taking a knee uh, stance, whether it's political or not. Well, I suppose that one of the things that um, I would like to really kind of divorce this, well, that's my point. So my point is going to be divorced from the politics to the extent that I can divorce that subject. And just the focus on the human mind and the kind of consciousness and the compassion. Let's imagine that you are at the stadium and it's the final, you need to score the penalty, and it's 80,000 people or approximately 80,000 people watching you. Yeah, and there is like millions of people in their homes watching it on a TV screens. The pressure that that person needs to experience is immense. So it's, and there is so many like sports coaching studies that even if you have exercised this for thousands of hours, you know, how to score penalty. And even if you are an expert in doing that and you can do it all, every time during the training, that if you put that stress that you are at during that massive global event, come on, guys, like, let's, let's be compassionate. Like, this is just the game in the end of the day. Like, the, I, I personally feel very... I, I would I don't know if I would be able even to touch that ball on the on that on the on that pitch. Like just even trying to put myself into shoes of those guys, regardless of they score it or no. Oh my god, the pressure is on. So just be compassionate. Like what happened to our like human compassion? And regardless of the color of the skin, like we are all human beings. We've deserve to be happy we deserve to pursue our life happiness and fulfill our like life missions and it's like i i it's personally very sad that still in 21st century we've got that division based on the color of our skin i think there are there are two issues that you've raised there carol one is about a footballer regardless of skin color um missing a penalty um, and the second one is is about um, the kind of um, racially charged comments that have been coming out. So it's quite common to uh, for the, the missing penalty taker or missing penalty takers to get quite a lot of abuse in whichever country they're in. And I think you're right. We, we should move beyond that. I think the added element to this is that racial element that's come in. Um, and, and so I think that's where the focus has been. Weirdly. Um, I don't know if anybody saw the ITV coverage, um, but uh, straight after the, the penalty had been missed, Gary Neville said, oh, I think we're beyond blaming the penalty takers for missing penalties. Uh, you know, I think they'll all be heroes when they come home. I mean, boy, could that statement have been any more wrong. Um, like, but like this, this, this extra element is the bit that's worrying me. And it's worrying me because I don't, I don't feel that we've ever had this sort of thing where we've had 
social media able to spread it so quickly um, straight afterwards. Um, and and I guess the the link to the link to our field is is that idea of um, how do people behave online and have we really established a proper etiquette for behaving online in the same way that we do face to face? And I'm not sure that we really have. There are no sort of universal, universally agreed ground rules around this. And I'm really interested and wondered what we could do in a kind of education environment to kind of educate people on, on how, how it's appropriate to converse with each other, say in a classroom setting through discussion boards, and then, I mean, Twitter's a discussion board. That's essentially what it is. And then hopefully fostering good habits when people are in the real world and using their discussion boards. Well, uh, this is a very interesting point, Romy, that you have brought. And I suppose one of the really interesting, kind of based on my observation, is it only the symptom of some like much more profound division in society that during the global event like Euro, it just kind of surfaced? So last few years has been very challenging like starting with brexit started through covid through trump versus biden we see that polarization in the political spectrum we can see that lack of respect from one side to another side and i'm just wondering whether this that that mob kind of maybe mob is not the best word to describe it but maybe the events that followed the euro and the comments that you are referring to is just the sign of the very deep division that it's fundamental uh, at the le- like very de- deep level of our society. I think the word you use polarization like because like division I guess yeah it's okay to have disagreements but what we need to foster is um, sort of constructive disagreement Disagree, disagreeing civilly and it's still okay to hold opposite opinions to each other but we're not doing it in a way that respects each other so that's that polarization is that kind of us and them mentality that seems to have crept in and Nathan is shaking his head quite furiously at the moment and I'm really well, interested yeah, to see what he says. I am shaking my head um, and because and, you mentioned online etiquette and the fact that kind of we haven't really established this etiquette but I don't think we've established this in social kind of situations anyway I think social media I mean I guess what social media does it kind of pinpoints a moment in time so I could be really angry and I could post something and that was me uh 11 o'clock on on that day um and then kind of and then everyone looks at it and it's like that's that person and I'm not saying it's okay um what I, what I am saying is this has always been the case, but you're not party to these conversations. So people are having these conversations, but now kind of different parts, kind of whether it's different classes, different parts of society, they're all meeting online. So it's kind of like leveling that field. So these conversations that we're having in the pub, you can't, you don't have a discussion because everyone's saying the same thing. Um, now you've got people coming online and kind of bringing it to the attention of everybody. Um, and then it's like, well, no, no one knows how to have a conversation about it because we've never known how to have a kind of a critical conversation about anything in the past. We've just kind of usually had conversations with people that we kind of agree with because those are part of our social bubble. 
Um, and we agree know, more. And we all know the rules about work. Um, it's like you don't talk, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion because they're quite divisive. Um, so there's there's things that you're told growing up, you just don't mention it because it just opens up kind of a box that no one wants to deal with. Um, and then this online space because you're sat on your computer or you're sat on your phone and you don't realise that it's going to so many people. Um, what it looks like in that online space I don't I don't know I don't know if it's someone just saying this is how I feel at this moment um or if it's oh, I want kind of um, gratification on what kind of I'm going to share now um and I guess just to say it this isn't everybody this is a minority a, a small minority of people it's just because it gets put on an online platform everyone has access to it so lots of kind of um, the media then start talking about it and then it looks not looks bigger than it is but it's kind of blown out of proportion in a sense that this is a huge deal but it's a minority of people and there's always been this minority of people that have done this it's just now everyone has access to it we can all see that minority and it i don't know may feel bigger but also, I mean, like, I mean, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, you, you might still feel that having having these groups on there, they can then sort of reach their reaches further. Right. So they can essentially recruit or radicalize new people um, into their cause, which in itself is worrying. So it's not just that they're meeting, but they, they, they have scope to recruit more people into their. Yeah, group but as well, look right? what happened. Look what happened to Rashford and his mural um, and the fact that it was defaced. And then everyone comes around and starts putting lovely messages on there to cover that up. And then it gets repainted. That is also a side of society that we don't often talk about the fact that, yes, we've got these kind of people that are trying to radicalise, but we've also got the people on the other side that are trying to educate, that are kind of, I don't know, spreading love and stuff like that. And I've quite I've enjoyed the fact that there has been kind of um, publicity of that, and not just the negative, because it is it is showing that there are two sides of it. So why do you think that people like I mean I'll pick education, but you could equally apply it to the workplace. Why do you think people aren't posting these sorts of messages in in educational uh, forums then? Um, I mean, we know <laughs> we know why they're not. It's because their names attached to it, and it's a different. I think it's a different environment. An educational environment isn't a place where you have a thought, like instantly have a thought and then kind of write it down. It's kind of, you take that time to, to think, well, kind of, does this make sense? Maybe look into some research as well um, before, uh, and maybe that kind of stifles some of the discussions within the classroom as well, because I don't want to, Kind of raise my hand and say anything because I'll make an idiot out of myself um, if I do. Whereas actually, it's good to start that discussion, um, even if you are wrong. But go on then, Remy. Why do you think people don't do it in an educational setting? Yeah, well, I, I was thinking that maybe there's something around the anonymity because they're not anonymous in a classroom setting. But yeah, obviously, these these discussions are smaller, so they're easier to be moderated. 
Um, I think when there is abusive stuff in forums, like th that's clamped down on a lot quicker than I don't know if you've ever tried to flag something on social media um, and, and seen whether it's been enacted or not. Um, I saw um, incitement to murder at one stage and reported it and really struggled to find the right category and then still got thrown back by Twitter with the kind of like, oh, you can block them or mute them. And it's like, that's an actual crime in this country to, to, to try and incite someone to murder someone else. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I think, I don't necessarily think you should add loads of restrictions to the open and free internet. And I don't really want Twitter to have my ID. Um, but there has to be a better solution than, than just letting people say whatever they want. Because I tell you what, sometimes it's good to stop people from saying whatever they want and just pause for a moment and think about what it is they want to say. There's no harm in in kind of encouraging people to think. So you just said, oh, people are a bit reticent to, to type on the, on the platforms because they're worried about what it might be. Maybe that pause for reflection is a good thing. Yeah, imagine maybe a, a, a two-hour kind of um, posting or, a, or a, a day's posting. Like, okay, I've got time. I've got time to take this back. But the fact is, yeah, once, once it's up, um, it's up. And... I think it's the fact that so many people kind of watched it as well. So, so many people were, were interested in what was happening. Again, this turns to kind of technology, digital technology, and the fact that more people than ever have access to devices that kind of will, will play this. Um, and I've got a little figure here. So, on an average of 29.85 million people watched um, the final, which was more than watched Princess Diana's funeral. Yeah, I think that's what's being reported in the news at the moment. So the fact that it, there were so, I guess there were so many different kind of people, sections of people within society that were also getting involved within this. So you probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have had this person watching let's say um synchronized swimming at the olympics um and spreading the same thing because it wouldn't have had that much exposure i guess um but yeah i don't know because i've i mean I've, i was reading an article around um footballers um not so much for for this podcast um, but it's interesting that someone can say well this person's not very good, they missed a penalty. When 0.012% of kind of young people playing in youth leagues make it to professional football, and even then, a lot of them drop out. So I was reading around kind of people kind of people's journey and how they made it in professional football. And the idea that, as, as Carl was saying, if, if so much was on the line of what we did in our jobs, would we still do it? It's like, and how would we perform while we did that? So it was very much kind of the same feeling as taking a penalty for England in the Euro final. Would we still perform in the same way as we do? Because would there be that same pressure? Or would, like maybe me, um, would we just opt out? 
would we just take a step back and say, I don't, I don't want that responsibility. Uh, I don't want to be involved in this. I'm not going to do it at all. And I think just understanding people's roles and kind of how much pressure it takes to do that and maybe reflecting on your own life and how much pressure it takes for you to do stuff. And actually, would I, would I do that? Maybe not. Would I act slightly differently? Maybe. And maybe that's some of the conversations that need to be had. And I think the fact that football is a sport, it is a sport. But just look at how people kind of hold this sport on, on some kind of pedestal of, I don't know, this is life. This is my life. Um, and it was, I don't know, I think the, the commentators were talking about, oh, this is what it's like to have football, like stands in a stadium. This is kind of the atmosphere. This is what it's like. This is what it should be like. And I was thinking, I don't, I'm not a massive fan of football, to be honest. I was like, I really liked it during lockdown when there was no fans there because it was, you were more watching the football and it wasn't taken over by the fans shouting abuse, uh, kind of all of booing, booing other people, kind of, and you're like, well, no reason to boo that person. They're a good footballer and they do the same thing as your players. Um, but it just made me realise that maybe it's just the fans that I don't like. Um, and maybe that's kind of what I just don't understand, that mentality. Um of football and it's not the the football in itself yeah i mean surprisingly this year uh gareth southgate did a fantastic job of uniting that team didn't he i mean they were playing together it didn't seem like they were egos in the same way they'd been in previous tournaments um and that was really nice and it almost felt like the 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 country and when i say the country i'm referring to england in this sense but it felt like the country was behind them as well um, and united behind them until this moment and it's like there's, yeah there's a certain element of how well you're doing when things are good and how well you're doing when things are bad right and it's just i feel like it's brought out the worst in some people like starting with the booing but then going on to the kind of twitter trolling and abuse afterwards this is as well a very interesting demonstration of actually um the mental state of the person who are committing to that booing or this racial abuse because if you think about this from this perspective if you are in the you know good mental place it's exactly the message that Nathan said earlier on you focus on compassion on love on thinking like you know this is like great tournament and the second place is as well is really good if you are coming from the place of fear then you focus on those negative aspects. Your attention is poisoned. So actually, you know, is there anything that the actions and the events that follow the Euro demonstrates that the mental health toll that the COVID, for example, might have on people, that people are not necessarily ready to admit um, I, I, I'd say we're a victim of our own digital success. Um, the fact that everything is so much more open, but then the media is vast, but focuses so much on, on the negative. So everything that we read is very much, oh, there's a war here, there's famine here. There's... And then it changes your outlook, um, which I'm not saying it's good that you don't know about this stuff, but 
there's a whole kind of there used to be less maybe less news or more good good news i don't know or less access to to media for us to focus on or just be bombarded with all of this stuff as well as social media and now you just bombarded on your phone every five seconds with something that comes through um and very little of it is is positive Remy, did you have did you have some well i was just gonna uh, yeah i was just gonna say that the rolling news didn't really help did it um like when they when they switched to digital tv and they brought in news channels that were 100% dedicated towards news and you know whenever you switch it on it's just going to be the same thing over and over people dying you know people losing their homes uh, crimes committed because well that's what the news is right they can't they can't just come in if they just gave us good news stories you'd say that's propaganda right like you just think this is ridiculous we know that things aren't all rosy um I guess in a sense like the, the good news on the news is always the sports isn't it like because yeah. that doesn't even feel like a newsworthy item in a sense. It's just people playing a game, whatever that game is. But that's that's the bit of good news that you get on the news is when oh somebody's won a medal or somebody's doing really well and like that's quite nice. So almost in a sense, when they when they it gets dragged down into the mud with everything else, it's like ruining the one bit of fun that we've got, the nice yeah. thing we've got coming out on television on, on the news. Yeah, you're right. Because I mean, COVID and the Tokyo Olympics and all the stuff that's happening around there, you're like, oh, this should be an escape from the real world. This is my one time where I can just kind of forget what's happening. Whereas now, again, around politics and kind of stuff like that is introduced into sport. Um, I, I guess, what, how could we educate? Kind of how could we improve education um, in the use of potentially well online platforms and things like that or um, and whose role who do you see that role like as being whose role do you see that as being so i don't mind going first here because i think i kind of started to allude to it a little bit before um i don't think it's any one person or group's role I mean, we all have personal responsibility to mind what we say, both on and offline. Um, and then, I mean, if you get banned from Twitter, you can just set up a new account. There needs to be some sort of provision to stop that happening. Um, so I think governments could do more to, to kind of try and help that work. Uh, the police apparently investigate these, although I've never seen any stats about how much gets reported to the police. Um, social platforms could do more in, in kind of policing it. I mean, they've got inc incredibly clever algorithms that could start to pick out things and block them. Um, you could have a two tiered system on social media where, you know, if you're under a certain age, you can't view certain content. Um, or you could have it where if you've been ID verified, you get to sign up to certain pages because they might have like a requirement. So it doesn't have to be everyone has to show their ID, for example, but it could be in that sort of format. Um, but yeah, and, and also I touched on the education side of things, how we educate in children as to what's appropriate, both on and off uh, platform. And that education comes from both schools and parents, like the traditional education system and parents. It starts at the home, right? Um, so yeah, I guess everybody is the answer to whose responsibility that is. But like you said before, you don't think we've agreed what proper etiquette is. Perhaps we need to have a conversation 
about how people, you know, it's, it's this whole, you know, I've got the right to free speech. Yeah, you've got yeah. the right to free speech, but use it wisely because all rights come with responsibilities, right? If you, if you say it, something that's a bit stupid, expect to get repercussions as a result. Is that going to be a difficult conversation to have, though, around etiquette and socially what's expected? In a lot, because we've never had that conversation before. Um, all right. Well, uh, so if, if I move it away from race, for example, quite often you'll get um, like if there's a, 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 a woman on the news or something like that, um, it seems acceptable to sort of uh, criticise her appearance. And I'm thinking, would you do that to that person's face? Like if you would behave like that to that person's face, I probably don't want to know you if you wouldn't do it to their face. Don't do it online. I mean, it's pretty simple, isn't it? Just because you're hiding behind a computer screen, all of a sudden it's okay to say really horrible, hurtful things to someone. And how would you feel if someone said it to you? Those are fairly, you know, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. They're fairly sort of standard um, universal rules, right? That I think most people agree with. Yeah, very good. Sorry, I was going to say, I think that's why some people do it because they've had it done to themselves. Um, And sometimes they're the victim. Of, of some of this um, so they kind of do the same unto others um, and there does need to be whether it's help and support or kind of checks and balances or people just to kind of say no that that's not right it's not right that you do that um, do you want to talk about it but no under, knowing that person it's quite hard because like you say if someone said that to your face you'd be like what, okay, what's going on? What what's wrong at the moment? And do do you want to talk about it? Whereas in an online environment, you can't you can't do that because you don't know who they are, you don't know where they are, you don't know kind of what their situation is. So then you tie everyone in the same brush. You're like, well, that's that's a horrible person. Never want to know them. That could be your colleague. Um, you don't know who that is, um, or what they're going through and I think yeah some kind of identity not to name a chain but would be good in terms of supporting some of these people um rather than well vilifying them I'm sorry Cal I jumped to you oh thanks um, that's thank you very much uh yeah both really excellent points um and I suppose I'm not any wiser of any, any of you, and I suppose I'm not wiser than majority of the people out there. And I think this is like hugely relevant and complex issue. And I think it goes well beyond only digital space. And in fact, I, I part of me believes this is like why is one of the, the core um, components for argument why philosophy shouldn't and philosophy and ethics shouldn't leave discourse because if we trace it back you know people like Aristotle and Plato they were talking about those very issues back then and of course the technological landscape it was all changed but the the like ethical principles like how you behave towards other people is were same and I suppose like if we were coming out with netiquette and how do we behave online yeah okay you can subscribe to it 
you know, we can have the set of rules, but it does not resolve the problem how people feel internally. So I might be in the shop and I might not shout someone to someone's face, but if I leave that poison being rotten within me for long enough, then I'm going to either hurt myself or I'm going to hurt someone else, you know. Um, so it's actually how do we collectively as our species move towards that better, and I know that it sounds like very cliche and very naive, but how we collectively contribute to the fact that we can live in the better society, we can live in the better world, and this all of is our responsibility to make the world the place that we want our kids to find. And of course, I wish my kids to find a place in a world that is free of suffering, free of racial abuse, free of you know, transphobia and this kind of things. I wish that, but I feel that I personally need to contribute to that and share that, you know, the messages of love and compassion. And I might not be able to do it in open forum beyond the Beyond Digital Education podcast, but if this is the little brick that I can add to this pile, I'm going to do it. That, that was beautiful, Carol. And I think that that is a perfect ending to this podcast. Thank you both um, for for joining me and thank you. And we'll see everyone on the next podcast. You've been listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast. If you liked what you've heard, please do listen to more of our podcasts and please do engage with us on the topics we've raised.